In this episode of Paid by the Word, Mike interviews business writer and editor Heather Clancy. Here's a snippet from their conversation. What about, uh, wow, a new Swedish iron processing project could disrupt the global steel industry. All right, quick, give me like okay, 30 seconds you... on that one. So, okay, so can I tell you that that yeah, story yeah. has been, um, actually has driven so much traffic in the past week, it's been extraordinary. <laughs> That's great, but, I mean, why? why? So, yeah. so here's the thing. So uh, a lot of times pe- when people talk about renewable energy, really what they're talking about right now in this moment is renewable electricity. So electricity, the solar, wind, geothermal as well, in some, in, in some instances, hydro, you could say is renewable, uh, hydropower. Um, but the and those those are great for things like running an office building or or serving an office building or powering you know but you can't put a solar installation at a huge manufacturing plant and expect it to run the entire operation. So the the interesting thing about this story is um, steel and things like manufacturing, especially smelting. And those processes require a lot of energy. Um, much of it right now is is moving from coal to natural gas. And um, people are trying to figure out how to address these, quote, hard to abate processes. Um, and that's why I think this story is so so interesting, because it's a, it's a really hard problem. And it's kind of where we need to go next in order to get to the decarbonization goals that we really want. Well, hello there, and welcome to Paid by the Word, a podcast featuring conversations with professional writers and editors. If you are curious about what goes on in the minds of people who write and edit for a living, this podcast is for you. Thanks, Zoe. I'm Mike Barlow, your host and moderator. For this episode, our guest is Heather Clancy. She's the editorial director of Green Biz a media and events company focused on the intersection of business, technology, and sustainability. Heather is an award-winning business journalist. She specializes in covering transformational technology, and she's an expert in translating tech-speak into clearly readable prose. Heather began her journalism career on the business desk of United Press International, and her articles have appeared in Entrepreneur, Fortune, the International Herald Tribune, and the New York Times. Heather, what what brings you the greatest joy as a writer? When someone sends me a note and says, "Wow, I read that. I that made me think differently about someone, something, some some topic, some some uh, technology I wrote about." Um, I guess I, I sort of do like it when I, I notice there's a lot of traffic on on a story of mine. Um, Although it's just not, I mean, that I don't live for that. I know a lot of writers like, oh my God, I got a hundred thousand page views. Wow. You know, like, and they're, they're happy. I'm just more, I even just a couple people emailing say, Hey, you know, I read your column and wow, I, I, now I'm thinking differently about this or, Hey, I totally disagreed with your column. Let's talk. And I'll be like, sure. You know, it's just, I love it when I touch someone in some way and I have a dialogue going. So that's my, I think my, my greatest joy. Wow, that's great. Uh, so, Heather, what uh, what advice do you have for writers? What's what's the best way to approach an editor, and uh, what's the worst way? So, the worst way I'll start with that first to approach an editor is to just look at their website, not read it, and um, or their their publication if you're if you're looking at a physical magazine or so something, and to pitch them without um, doing some research and understanding um, the past stories that that this publication may have written about. Um, without understanding the readers, I get so many pitches that are so, you know, greenbiz.com. Okay. 
if you don't look at our site, you think, hey, I'm going to pitch a company that makes consumer products that are green. You know, and that's a reasonable assumption, but it uh, it also shows me that you haven't read my site because that we write business to business and it's a very different audience. We might write about that consumer products company, how they got that product to be that green and what another business could learn from it. But we're not going to write about the greatest, latest green widget. You know, like we're not trying to help people sell a lot of, of products. So, um, you know, don't, the, the, uh, the worst mistake would be to not look at my website <laughs> in, in, my, in my particular interest. Mm-hmm. The, the best way to approach an editor would be to understand our previous body of work about something to say, hey, you know what? I noticed that you've, you've done these stories, but I, have you ever approached it from this angle? And I have another company that, that um, is doing this. Um, and, I'm, and I'm thinking about another writer. I'm not thinking about another public relations person because I get pitched by, that's a whole another discussion. <laughs> but um, the, the writer showing me that um, he or she or they know about the topic that they're, they're, um, that they're, they're pitching about and that they also have uh, um, like a body of work that they can point to that's relevant. I mean, it doesn't, you don't have to show me another story you wrote about that topic exactly, but you have to show me some other piece of work that will help me understand your voice a little bit. Um, and as, as you know, I, I guess other advice I would have is use your voice. I, it is um, you, you, you have to use your voice in a way that's appropriate for the publication that you're pitching. So you can't, I do believe you can have your voice and the publication's voice too. <laughs> you can just adapt your voice for the publication um, and, and understand how, how that needs to go. So tell us briefly about your career path. Uh, how did you become the writer and editor that you are today? I will try to keep this brief. I've always wanted to write. I always thought I would be like a Vogue magazine writer, you know, do some kind of crazy consumer magazine um, writing and get on one of the staffs there or something. Um, when I graduated university, I went to McGill University in Canada. I graduated, came home to the New York area and um, couldn't get a job. Uh, managed, though, through my father's connections to wind up at United Press International. So, um, Oh, wow. UPI. UPI sorry, I and I no I know yeah, it's a it's a flash from the past yeah, yeah. yeah that's great. um and but on the business desk so I wasn't um chasing ambulances and and doing all the city hall meetings I was uh well I did have to do some things like I actually sat and waited for the Lockerbie um passenger list which which was a horrible experience mm-hmm. but um you know I got into business reporting and that just that got me into reporting about technology. No one that I worked with wanted to write about the the tech companies. At the time, it was Compact Computer and Microsoft was brand new and IBM. And and so I got into reporting about technology, went over to a computer trade. And while I was at that trade, um, I started thinking about electronic waste um, and how computers are disposed of and the impact on the environment and the impact on human health, right? And, And ecosystems and so forth. And um, that's where I got my interest in in uh, writing about climate change and, and and about what companies specifically can do to address it or to be less bad or to, frankly, to to do great things by addressing the climate crisis. So, kind of a long winded answer of the when I promised to be short, but uh, you know I I just uh, kind of followed that path here. And when I actually got laid off from the computer trade and um, just started freelancing immediately about climate issues. Oh, that's fantastic. And, uh, and again, thank you for, uh, for mentioning uh, United Press International. Heather, uh, tell us about greenbiz.com and your role there. 
So greenbiz.com is a media site. It's a business to business media site. So our readers, our corporate sustainability professionals, and the people that work around them. So consultants, nonprofit organizations, policy folks that are interested in uh, making their companies, like I said before, um, less bad more good, um, and really leveraging that as a position of strategic strength, right? So now even more than ever, those professionals are have the ear of the of the board of directors and the C-suite, and especially over the past year, this has been increasingly true. I think um, what we've learned in 2020 is that sustainability is very much linked to resilience. And, um, and so a lot of companies have actually elevated in this crazy year, the role of sustainability professionals in their company. So that's what greenbiz.com is. We're a community uh, website. We do events and so forth. We have um, four actually next. We actually have four events now uh, in our portfolio focused on everything from circular economy issues to how you use technology to address uh, sustainability and to become more sustainable. Um, for me as a, um, as my role, my role at greenbiz.com is focused on shaping our coverage and making sure that we have the right topics represented on our, our website. In particular, right now, a, a big focus for me is understanding the intersection between environmental justice and the corporate sustainability movement and how companies can tailor their strategies for sustainability to address that concern, right? And really get better about looking at how they're investing. For example, if they're going to put money into a renewable energy project, where is that project? Is it going to be available to a low-income community? Will it advantage Will it advantage someone that's been dealing with the pollutions, their neighborhood that's been dealing with pollution his- historically? How can they rethink where they're investing in order to address the, the concerns of, of um, you know, communities that haven't had the benefits of, of the, the environmental movement to this point. Um, so that's, that's me. And I, I love it. I love my job. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. And of course, and I recommend to all our listeners that you, uh, that you go over to greenbiz.com um, and, and check out the stories because uh, like, for instance, I'm looking at, uh, at Kristen Fulmer's story on the, the study showing which sports teams have the greenest fans. <laughs> Uh, or, or how carbon, about how carbon smart farming is catalyzing mm-hmm. the big bucks needed to transform the way America eats, and uh, this is wow. This is real. This is really great. I love. I, this is one of the nice things about this podcast for me is that it allows me to see what journalists are doing in the kind of uh, well, I'll call it the post newspaper era. Um, this is um, this is really great. What about? Uh, Wow, a new Swedish iron processing project could disrupt the global steel industry. All right, quick, give me like okay, 30 seconds you, on that one. So, okay, so can I tell you that that yeah, story yeah. has been um, actually has driven so much traffic in the past week? It's been extraordinary. <laughs> That's great. But, I mean, Why? Why? So, yeah. so here's the thing. So, uh, a lot of times when people talk about renewable energy, really what they're talking about right now in this moment is renewable electricity. So, electricity, the solar, wind, geothermal as well in some in, in some instances hydro you could say is renewable uh, hydropower um, but the and those those are great for things like running an office building or or serving an office building or powering you know but you can't put a solar installation at a huge manufacturing plant and expect it to run the entire operation um, Intel just switched on an installation for one of their sites and and it's a it's a huge installation but it's only going to actually handle I mean it's actually a huge number, comparatively speaking, it's going to 
handle 50% of the load of that site, but still it's not going to handle the entire site. So the, the interesting thing about this story is um, steel and things like manufacturing, especially smelting, and those processes require a lot of energy. Um, much of it right now is is moving from coal to natural gas. And um, people are trying to figure out how to address these, quote, hard to abate processes. Um, and that's why I think this story is so so interesting, because it's a, it's a really hard problem. And it's kind of where we need to go next in order to get to the decarbonization goals that we really want. Renewable electricity is really abund- is becoming more abundant and is is you know cost effective. But this this other stuff, you know, powering a a smelting operation is a really big intimidating cat task um, for for renewables. They're just the technology just isn't there yet. And so I noticed that you have a story by Joel McCower about uh piloting a new era Mm -hmm. of sustainable Mm -hmm. aviation Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. talk to me for a couple of minutes about that yeah a little bit a little bit of thumbnail on that um Aviation fuel is obviously a, a huge carbon emitter, and I, I forget what the exact statistics are, but the, the aviation the, the aviation sector is a huge um, emitter itself. So is shipping, right? So shipping across the ocean. So that that's not what you asked me. So in okay. terms of in terms of sustainable aviation, and what really needs to happen is for the fuels to be addressed. And there is a lot of work going on there. And this particular story that you're asking about focuses on Shell, right? They have a big aviation division um, and they're investing in um, uh, technologies and companies that are folk that are providing what they call sta- sustainable aviation fuel SAF and so there's a there are um, airports that are using this this type of fuel they're blending it into the to the other uh, substance and they're flying flights there's flights between San Francisco and Seattle Microsoft funded some of some of the usage of this uh, this fuel there Um a lot of the airlines are looking at this and, and dabbling with using some of this fuel in some of their flights. The, the, the drawback is you can't you can't just fill an air, a jet up with avi- you know, sustainable aviation fuel and fly it. It's, it's, it's got to be just a teeny bit uh, of the mix. So in order to get beyond that, many of the, com- the airline companies are talking about carbon offsets and so forth. So it's a big area um, of investment right now. There aren't a lot of good answers, but there are some, some um, advances happening. United Airlines just made a fairly big announcement around this as well. Um, so, you know, it's, a, it's an area, it's another hard, quote, hard to abate, end quote, sector that, that requires um, new technologies. Thank you for that. Thank you for, uh, for assigning Joel to write that story. Or thank you, Joel. Uh, actually, Joel is my <laughs> Joel is my boss, and he came up with it. <laughs> oh, good. Well, in that yeah. case, good job, yeah. Joel. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Heather, you're a writer and an editor, and both of those roles require mindfulness, attentiveness, and, and creativity. What's the best way of describing the differences between writing and editing? For me, an editor is someone that that helps with the train, you know, basically helps a writer be even better than they are, right? So um, helps the transitions in the story be be magical. For for a writer, the the difference for me as a writer is is what my voice wants to say about a topic. So as an editor, I'm not trying to put my voice into the story. I'm trying to amplify the writer's voice, right? Um, And for me, that's a big difference. But for a writer, I am trying to use my voice to tell this story, to, to tell to tell the story of these facts that I've gathered and, and um, I'm presenting to some reader somewhere. So um, 
you know, I absolutely can edit things and multitask while I'm editing. I cannot multitask when I'm writing. I have a hard time. I need to focus and I need to outline myself in order to write. I have to actually set meetings, meeting times or appointments with myself to put a block on the calendar long enough for me to, to be writing, a, um, you know, and all, although I will say that I can write over periods of time, right? It's not going to all be one chunk, but I do have to set, set a quiet time. So focus um, and the voice are the big differences for me. So uh, Heather, you're, you're also a gardener and a scuba diver. How, how do those <laughs> pursuits inform your writing? Well, I spend a lot of time when I'm gardening, thinking about story angles. So I, you know, I, I often will go out and in, uh, in in spring and, and in the fall, and I have a lot of perennials, so they need lots of tending to. They're not, you know, they they and and, and over time, right? So again, over time, in in a week, I'm not going to go out and, and weed or or trim once just one big chunk. I'm going to go out several times and and each day spend some time. So I, I spend a lot of that time thinking. So I'll, I, if I have a block or I'm, I just need a break, I will often go out in the yard and garden. So it's like my alternative, it's my, my uh, letting the thoughts kind of bubble up and, and I'm walking away for it for a while. I, the scuba diving, there, I wouldn't say that there's a direct relationship, but there is a direct relationship with my topic of interest, which is, um, you know, I love the ocean. I love the animal life in the ocean. I feel passionately about preservation and conservation of the ecosystems. And that's what I write about. So I write about the world, you know, dealing with climate change, how companies can, can act against, uh, you know, their past business practices in some cases and, and, but, but also employ business practices that are, good for the climate, good for people, and good for their bottom line at the same time. So I would say that that that's really the only relationship with scuba diving. That's really great. But let's stay on that for a moment, uh, because uh, I personally believe that uh, that small differences can over uh, small differences uh, can make a big difference over time. So what should companies and people be doing to uh, preserve the planet and to uh, mm -hmm. and to save our atmosphere and mm -hmm. our environment? Well, I think that you know, there's many different levels of what companies are doing already. So in some cases, there are companies that have done a lot and, and they're spending time thinking about how the products they make could um, benefit the climate. So for example, a wind or solar company, they're obviously in the business of making a technology that will reduce our dependence on fossil fuel energy, right? So that's that's an example of a company that's that's structured around um, you know, doing something that's better for the climate. Climate tech startups, there's a lot of startups coming into place. So for example, carbon removal technology is another example of, of a company that could rise up to address the climate crisis. But if, as, but if you're just a, a general old company and you make consumer products and so forth, the best things to, to focus on in my mind are the energy load. And that is where we have seen many companies focusing their initial attention, but also, um, especially right now, on, on the packaging of products. So, are you using single-use plastics? Why are you using single-use plastics? Is there a better alternative? Could you put this thing in renew reusable or renewable container of some sort? Could you rethink the format of your package, um, for example, of, of your product? Could you rethink the, the, the format of your product for example, Colgate Palmolive is thinking about tablets for toothpaste and not 
just, you know, a, a squeezable substance that you would, that you require a tube for. A tablet could take up smaller space, um, you could put it in a glass bottle instead of a, of a unrecyclable tube and so forth. So I think it's in, in many ways, looking at your business practices, discovering which, which are harming the planet and, and acting to address, address um, those in, in, as you mentioned before, small, small, but profound ways. And you've got to start somewhere. I think, um, you know, it is intimidating and, and, and overwhelming to think about everything we should be doing, I mean, toxic chemicals, you know, and so forth. But um, the company needs to start with, with what their main line of business is and um, really something that's going to make an impact that can't be tangential to their business. It should be something small, perhaps, but that would have a profound impact across their entire business. Oh, that's a great answer. And I think it's very helpful. And I do think we're at a moment in time in which uh, more uh, commercial enterprises are willing to say, you know, there is something I can do, and maybe I should be doing it. Let's do it. Which writers do you turn to for inspiration? So I'm going to give you a couple of, um, uh, I'm going to give you two writers slash journalists and one author. <laughs> um, the the journalist that I really uh, look to for inspiration is uh, Nicholas Kristof with the New York mm -hmm. Times. And I, what I love about his writing is that he he's not afraid to say when he's wrong. He talks to everyone, right? Um, he he goes out and he 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 makes himself vulnerable. Um, you know, I, I know you could say, and he, he tends to be, I, I would say, you know, people would be like, oh, he's, he's left wing. He's, you know, yes, he absolutely has sort of that sensibility. He's very much focused on social issues, but he goes out and talks to everyone and he, and he, and he welcomes their insight and he listens and he asks really good questions. And so I, I love his writing. Um, and again, like, I love it. When, I love that he's not um, afraid to admit when he's wrong. Um, I, I also love reading Heather Cox Richardson. She is a historian uh, and she does a, a newsletter on uh, just current affairs and politics. And um, she kind of helped me stay sane through the, the election cycle. She's just also a very good, she's a great way of supporting her facts, but also being very um, um, just entertaining with her writing. And I love it. Um, it I, I Sometimes if I'm, I, I've got like insomnia, I'll wake up and check my email. And sure enough, she's dropped in a newsletter at like one in the morning or something. She's, she tends to write kind of uh, on the side, uh, you know, she's a history professor. Um, and then the other, other one I'll mention is just a, as a crazy random uh, author that I love named Jasper Ford. And uh, he is a British writer. Um, and he, he's got two series that I really love. I'm actually looking at my books right now. Um, the Air Affair, which is just uh, this crazy, um, if you like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, you'll love his mm -hmm. writing. But The Air Affair is about a, a scenario in which Jane Eyre is kidnapped out of the book, out of her book, and everything that's derivative starts unraveling in real life. And there's a, a, a detective, um, the British detective agency for literary crimes, who goes in to, to save Jane Eyre. Um, and, and then uh, he also has this nursery crimes series. So he takes, another, again, familiar characters and he completely puts them into, into unusual scenarios. So I love, I love that he's how creative he is um, and really, really funny. And then just also just you know, I wouldn't recommend the air books to anyone that isn't like an English lit nut because you wouldn't get most of the jokes because there's just a lot of inside jokes. So anyway, those are. Oh, that's that's fantastic. Yeah. No, that, that's great. And I'm going to I'm going I will be definitely tracking those down. 
Okay, that was my conversation with Heather Clancy, an experienced business journalist. Heather is editorial director at GreenBiz, a media and events company focused on the intersection of business, technology, and sustainability. I enjoyed chatting with Heather, and I hope you found her insights useful. Until next time, take care and be well. That wraps up another episode of Paid by the Word, a podcast featuring conversations with writers, editors, and media professionals. We are grateful for your attention, and we wish you all the very best. Stay safe and be well. Bye-bye.